Welcome to the Penis Project podcast, connecting men through science, stories, solutions, but most of all, through support. This podcast was founded by myself and Dr. Joe Milios, a physiotherapist. To find out more about us, check out our website, thepenisproject.org. I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett, sexologist and nurse practitioner specialising in men's intimate health. Join me as I break down the barriers surrounding men's health and have candid conversations about everything you've always wanted to know but were too embarrassed to ask. This podcast is dedicated to stories from men who have bravely recognised the importance of sharing their experiences, breaking down stigmas and having no filter chats about sexual health, cancer treatment and recovery, relationships and everything else in between. If you know someone who you think would benefit from this information, please share so we can help more people. We would also love it if you'd follow the podcast and give us a review. Welcome to the Penis Project Podcast. I'm very excited today because we are speaking to John and Arabella. Now, John and Arabella met in a rather unusual way at a swingers party. Uh, People are always asking me about swingers and whether or not they're common and they are. I have heaps and heaps of clients who are swingers and it's just a different way for people who don't know anything about it. So I thought it would be a great idea to bust the myths and talk about it and let everybody know that swinging is quite normal and how people might meet and what they get up to and what goes on. So welcome. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Hello. How's it going? Good. So they're obviously Arabella and John are not their real names because, you know, like most people that come on the Penis Project podcast, they don't want everyone knowing who they are. So it's great. I also have Kate, the nurse practitioner that works with me today, Kate Turnerhan, because I'm not really shocked by much these days because I see so much. Kate's more likely to ask the kind of questions that you as listeners would want to know. So first up, tell us about, I think you first, Arabella, should start. Tell us about your first experience at a swingers party and how you got there. Well, first off, we did meet online on a swingers site, but we have been to swingers parties together. Uh, For me, I had been in a long-term marriage and it ended and I just kind of wanted to get out and have some fun. Mm -hmm. And initially I started dating online on vanilla sites as they're sort of labelled in the... So for anyone listening, yeah, vanilla sites are like your traditional plenty of fish, Tinder, that kind of thing. Yeah, those sorts of things. Um, and then I was telling a friend about some of the tragic dates I'd been on (laughs) and she asked me point blank if I was looking for a relationship and I had said no because I just wanted to meet some new people outside of, um, you know, my existing world. And um, so she actually suggested a particular website and I joined up and started chatting to some people and ended up being invited to a club which had a particular party on at the time, and it kind of just snowballed from there, I guess. And so had you met John then? No, not yet. This was your first. No, I had been in the scene, as they call it, for a few years before he and I actually had met, yeah. So how old were you when you went to your first ever swings party? Uh, I was 38. Okay, yeah. And what was it like? Were you nervous? (laughs) 
I was very nervous because it was an under 35s event and the person who invited me said, don't worry, you know, you don't look your age, no. you know, so um, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was quite nervous, but, um, you know, I had met this woman previously. We'd gone out for coffee, got along really well, and so I, I felt um Safe's probably not the right, right word, but um, I, I felt supported because I wasn't going on my own and it was someone who um, was familiar with the scene. So I just want to clarify that. So you joined the site and then like this person kind of comes in as a swingers mentor and you meet them like at a coffee, like in a normal kind of situation. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. So um, oh, That's cool. <laughs> Yeah. The majority of people that I did meet, it was a social interaction first, like just getting familiar with someone to see if you click and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So. Right. And so then you went to your first party. I did. And what happened? Like I think that most people I'm think, anxious. think <laughs> yeah, we imagine that you get there and you all throw your keys in the bowl. Like, and I know it's not like that, but it's I think not. that's what most people think. Is that what you think, Kat? Absolutely. I'm just like, are you off your head on alcohol or something? Because how the hell do you go from a full-on marriage, one person, to the first time you have sex with someone else that there's multiple people, I'm imagining, multiple people or is it is it open that you can watch each other or this is the bit, too much Hollywood action here for me, but um, yeah. what's it really like? Um well, the club that I went to, there there were different sections and the majority that I have encountered, uh, there's a social area where people just have some drinks, you know, they're chatting, they get to know each other. Um, it is all about consent, so it's not the keys in the bowl thing. It's, um, you know, if you do decide to pursue something, a lot of people don't play at the parties or clubs. They tend to just meet people who are open to that sort of thing and then arrange their own thing. Um, but there are people who who love putting on a show and who there are, you know, rooms that are either completely open or they're glassed so that other people can watch them. So it depends on what level you're comfortable with displaying of your own and what you want to do. Um, but it's always consensual that, you know, it, it's not about... The, the randomness of keys in a bowl or, or And you just like that. pick one out and you have to just go with it regardless. Yeah, and that's, that's so you, not the case. So it's like a normal club. You know, you go up, you're chatting to people, yeah. and then you go, I find you attractive, how about it? Yeah. But everyone's kind of there for a bit of a sexual adventure. So, so yeah. you're kind of guaranteed to get lucky, really, are you, if someone finds you attractive? Oh, if, <laughs> if it's, um, yeah, it has to be consensual both ways. Yeah. Like, you do need to pay to enter. Normally, um, single women are free. Uh-huh. Um, couples pay a price and single males pay a premium. So, unfortunately, sometimes they do have that expectation of, well, I've paid X amount of dollars to get in, so I should be guaranteed. Mm-hmm. But that's yes. a bit unfair. It is. I think that's unfair. Yeah, but you also don't want a sausage fest. Oh, good point. Ah, so a sausage fest is when there's just way, way too, too many. many men. So lots and lots of penis owners and not enough bowlers. Yes. <laughs> right. It's kind of a bit like, isn't it? You know, you go ballroom dancing 
and there's like 20 women in the room or 20 vulva owners or people who identify as women and then like five penis owners. Yes. It's like who's going to take the lead here? I mean, I've never done a ballroom classing dance, but I can imagine <laughs> the statistics on that would, yes, be well, be in the favour of women or vulva owners. I have an elderly gentleman who's a patient of mine who, very interesting story, who was actually a virgin until he was 55. He was a farmer and he just concentrated on getting the farm going and never did anything about it. And when he finally discovered his sexual appetite, it was at ballroom dancing and he reckons there were all these women and he couldn't keep up with them. And he actually came to me for a lesson on, I'm 55 and I've never done it before, what the hell do I do? And he's quite a lot older now and he has definitely got his head around what to do. So I think ballroom dancing might be more like swinging than we think. (laughs) (laughs) Kate just said then, if you didn't hear, or like a nursing home because she works in nursing homes and they're quite sexually promiscuous places. And also lots of women. Lots of women. The men don't survive. (laughs) (laughs) So back back to that then. So the other thing that I didn't realise, I kind of imagined that swingers' parties were in always in people's houses but there's actually like venues that you go to with these glass walls and things yeah yeah there's a few clubs in perth in particular that um i have frequented Uh yeah but they they can happen in private homes actually i have hosted one this is great and what about so that very first time like what was going through your head when you got there I can imagine there'd be a little bit of excitement and a whole lot of anxiety. A lot of anxiety, yeah, because um, I did feel like a fish out of water there. <laughs> and given I was 38, um, there was this 24-year-old Belgian backpacker who took a shining to me. Um, and I was just like, no, no, you're too young. And yeah, but after some drinks, um, yeah, we ended up pursuing something further. Cool. In a private room. Okay. So there's private rooms where you can meet someone, go off and do your thing, or you can, if you're into having people watch, you can do it in these glass rooms where other people can see. Yes. And is it always two people or is there? No. It's often more than that. Often more. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry, curiosity is getting me. How do you get who's into certain kinks or clicks or whatever? How do you know, like someone that's into threesomes or whatever? How do you work out who does what? I'm. I don't. You just go with the flow, and if you're uncomfortable with something, you walk away. Let it. Let it be known, and so you can, yeah, withdraw from it or just. I've I've always voiced no. I'm not comfortable with that, or yeah, going or yeah, you can join in or Hmm. yeah. It's all about consent and what you as an individual are comfortable with and then there's also the dynamic of couples as well because sometimes they might have a particular set of rules that no one else is privy to oh. and if someone then crosses that boundary then there's that whole set of dynamics as well that come into play right wow. so i think it'd be a good time to hear from john about because you were both on this kind of scene for a couple of years, weren't you, before you met? Well, her her more so than me. <laughs> okay. So tell us about your experiences of dating, John. Uh, 
Well, I guess my pathway into that scene, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, I guess was a little similar. Um, I was sort of on the vanilla apps, I guess you would say, you know, various, various applications. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess I, you know, I went on a few dates and that sort of thing and, you know, had a, had a few sort of, uh, you know, there was some casual stuff and, and whatnot, but I guess, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I was finding that, I don't know. Well, well, there was actually the case where I think it was on Bumble. I would often like, I'd have conversations and such and, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't always, uh, I guess, eventuate in any sort of meetup or anything like that. They would sort of just, you'd get ghosted or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I've got quite a few friends that have been like in that space and that online dating space is hard work. It's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we joked about it for a while because at the particular time that I was sort of on some of those apps at the same time, I was actually also looking for work (laughs) (laughs) and I drew a lot of parallels between both activities because it's like, you're kind of like trying to put your best foot forward, you know, and it's like, you're trying to present yourself as, as, you know, somebody that's, you know, keen to. You know, participate, participate, have a, have a relationship or whatever. And, um, and yeah, and then you're, you're sort of either getting just no response or you're, you know, getting rejections or you're getting, you know, it's basically like it was sort of a, you know, you're kind of getting the double whammy from both fronts. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So that was, that was pretty, pretty brutal, but, um, you know, there was some nice people and there's some nice, uh, Nice moments that I, I think, yeah, I shared with some people there. But I think for me, it was sort of a bit of a journey in me learning to, um, like, I'd never really done the short-term thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you'd been in a long-term relationship? I'd, most of my prior relationships had been sort of more sort of steady, long-term, monogamous mm-hmm. um, type relationships. Do you mind me asking, like, how old were you when you first started online dating? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Uh, I reckon I probably would have started signing up to the, the apps probably in my mid thirties, maybe. Yeah. Okay. However, when I was probably in my mid twenties, I think I actually signed up for, oh, which one was it? I can't remember. Remember there used to be RSVP. I think it was, I think it was eHarmony. Oh yeah. Yeah. eHarmony. I tried to sign up for them and they rejected me. Why? I apparently was in like the 5% of people that they just couldn't help. I actually got a message when I tried to sign up. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah. What was their I went criteria? through their whole, I don't know. I went through their whole survey, their whole little questionnaire thing where they actually like ask you all these questions and try to, you know, get an understanding about your personality. And I just went through trying to answer it, you know, like, and then, um, yeah, it literally got to the end and was like, oh, we're sorry. We just... We're, we're not going to help you. Really? <laughs> See you later. Like, I never I was even like, knew that was a thing. Neither did I. <laughs> I've never done online I just dating. thought I was signing up for an account. Like, <laughs> so Can I ask a question? Did, did you find in the decade from 25 to 35, whatever, that like obviously I am a wee bit older than you, but you can't tell on, on the radio, so it's fantastic. <laughs> but um, 
you, you didn't have these apps when I was younger. So you met people at a pub or a bar. Did you find meeting people more challenging in that decade? I guess for, I guess, my sort of early early 20s, um, it was very much like more going to nightclubs. And nightclubs are not really uh, uh, conducive to... <laughs> Uh, well, just having a conversation. <laughs> no, they're so loud. They're so loud. Like you just, you can't actually just meet people. And so most of the people that you're meeting there, they're probably just drunk and dancing and yeah, like it's, I don't know. It was a very strange, strange way to try and meet people, I guess. And that was, as far as I knew, that was... That was what you were supposed to do. Mm. You go out on a Saturday night and you go to the nightclubs and you meet people. Yeah, you try and pick up. And but, you, you know, the problem yeah. with that is is that you meet someone when you're kind of intoxicated yeah. and you actually can't hear them. So you're purely going on physical attraction. Yeah. You're not actually talking to them. And I think that a lot of, like, criticism of online dating is, oh, you're only, like, swiping left or right on whether someone's physically attractive. But let's be real. I mean, my whole dating experience is in a pub and, you know, or, and you're swiping left and right just with your eyes in the nightclub. It's not, or the pub. It's no different. Well, I think in relation to that with um, the site we were on, you have the ability to write up a profile and put pictures on. So, yeah, it, you know, and there's a lot to be said for initial physical mm. attraction. Um, but also, when John messaged me, he had really taken the time to read my profile and what I was looking for. So he addressed that. And for me, that was a really special message because he wasn't just, you know, hey, you look nice, you know, are you DTF sort of thing. What's DTF? Down to fuck. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> Here I am. It- here I am, a sexologist, and I've never heard DTF. Oh, no. That surprises me. Yeah. That surprises me too. Wait a minute. Kate had something to say. I want some more acronyms, please. Wait a minute. We, we'll go back to that. I just want to – so oh. wait a minute. Let's go back to John. John, so you're on these online dating apps and then you met Arabella before you went to a swingers party? Uh, well, I guess I'd never really explored – I mean, I, I when I signed up to that site, I guess from my perspective, I was like, well, this can't be any worse than the current apps I'm on. And so that was kind of my... So what logic. made you go? I mean, that's a big leap, isn't it? It's a leap of faith to go, I've always been in these long-term monogamous relationships. I've been trying online dating. What's this swingers thing about? I'm going to give it a crack. I, I guess for me, it was it was more the case that like yeah, I'd I'd always tried to like just have the monogamous relationship. I'd never really gone like I'd never I'd never really tried to explore just having short term, casual kind of just fun mm. with just people that I'm friends DTF. with. DTF. Yeah. I can use that all the Pretty time. Much. You thought I'm DTF. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, when I sort of discovered that there was these sites that it's like, hey, there's these sites where people just go and they just, they're literally upfront about what they want. Like it's like I, the weird thing I find about Bumble and Tinder is pretty much it's people 
pretty much looking for the same thing. Mm. They're just not upfront about it. That is so true because let's face it, you get on Tinder or Bumble or one of those and some people are looking for a relationship but a lot are just looking to hook up. Pretty much. And there is, they might think, oh, I'm online dating and that's all kind of normal and if you can't see me so I'm doing, you know, quotes with my fingers here. Um, but really it is no different to turning up at a party where everybody's there because they all want to have a bit of fun and you look, you actually get to look at them instead of swipe left or right, is it? Yeah. Mm. And I think, yeah, like even when I did sort of, you know, dip my toe into that world, I, you know, apart from the uh, more explicit nature of the photos, uh, it wasn't really that much different. Yeah, this like, is interesting. You know, you'd message people, you'd get no response. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Occasionally you might get a response and then you might have a little bit of a conversation and. Okay, yeah, I just I want to go back to the explicit photos. <laughs> so, wait a minute. Kate just said, so does she. So, this is my fascination with online dating sites, and I have talked about this before. Every guy seems to have a fish or a dog. Like, you know, it's like I've been, I'm like a man, I'm a hunter, I've got this big fish, or I've got this really cool-looking dog. You know, it's either like some cute little fluffy thing or... You've got like a big manly dog. I mean, some men even seem to have their kids on there, which I just think is a little bit bizarre, but that's just my thing. But, you know, you go on these online day on on a swingers online dating site, it's more explicit. So what do you get here? Are we getting like full frontal or what are we getting? Yeah, pretty much in a nutshell. <laughs> you, you're getting, in a lot of cases, yeah. You, it, well, it's, I guess, whatever that, whoever's profile it is, it's whatever they're comfortable sharing. So do you have faces or do you just have genitalia or what do you have? Again, I think that just comes down to the individual. Like some individuals more than happy to show everything. Well, on the site we were on, they had public profiles mm -hmm. and then you also had a private gallery and a second private gallery. So you could display whatever you wanted in the public gallery to sort mm -hmm. of, I guess, entice or lure whoever. And then at a time where you felt more comfortable in revealing other aspects, whether it be, you know, your face ah. or explicit photos, you had two separate galleries that you could then open to that person. So it's not like everything is out on display. You can reveal it at a time that you feel comfortable with. So this reminds me of the first time I got married. I didn't want to wear a veil. And my father said, you have to wear a veil. It's like unwrapping the present. You know, you get to the end, they lift the veil <laughs> and they unwrap the gift. It's almost the same, isn't it? I wish he was alive and I could tell him this analogy. <laughs> but, you know, it's like... You have a look at the bit they're prepared to show first and then you engage a bit on the app and then you go, okay, I'm going to let you through to stage two where you might see a bit more skin or whatever. Yeah. I, I think for me, like, I was never incredibly explicit with the photos I put online. Um, there were some sexy sort of lingerie type shots, um, but I it was never sort of porn. Mm -hmm. for, from my, because I, I wasn't comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. um, but 
for me, revealing my face was like, I guess, the ultimate, yeah, to actually go, well, this is me. So that was your intimate that, thing. That was my intimate thing, revealing my face on a site that, you know, could be construed as inappropriate or, you know, there's a lot of judgment. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, yeah, if I truly trusted someone, that was when I was like, okay. So, John, did you – was Arabella the first person that you kind of chatted to online or were there some uh, others? No, no, there, there were a few others. Um, and again, I, you know, I was still on all the dating apps as well. So it was kind of like, you know, I I was, yeah, I guess I was sort of just exploring, you know, I I mean, for me, like, I guess I, I wasn't just about the hookup, I guess. Like I, I was more looking for, I guess, well, the other, the other acronym, if, if you would like like that, we need more FWB friends with benefits. Okay, so You'd what's the difference? But yeah, we know that one. But what's the difference between the DTF or the what's the other one? Yeah, that was it. Down to fuck, down to <laughs> fuck with friends with benefits. So friends with benefits, you'd like sort of a relationship. So, so I think yeah, with friends with benefits, it's more like you sort of become friends, mm. but like you'll yeah. you'll see each other outside of sex. Whereas down and down to fuck isn't a regular thing. It's literally like. It could Just, be a one-off or Yeah, like ongoing. literally, are you ready to go now is pretty much DTF. And just one more, sorry, another question. <laughs> when you connect on the site, it doesn't mean that you have to meet at the club. You guys can no. go for coffee. You can do exactly what you can do on Bumble. So it is another dating site. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, a, it's just a messaging app. There's photos. There's, there's all the same things. It's just, yeah, there's just, I guess... The people who are generally there, the the, the nature of the community, I mm. guess you would say, mm. is that they're more about the the sexual uh, aspect of. Well, but of they're them. more honest oh, about yeah. the sexual yeah. component. True. I was just about to say exactly that. They're just more open about the fact yes. that it's sexual because it can be boring. This is the same. Yeah. So I'm like, can you be okay? I'd like to have sex, but do you know what I mean? I don't. You know, if I meet someone that um, is, you know, it would be nice to be friends with as well. I'd like both. But so you can go from full-on kinky to pretty much the same as Tinder. Is that right? Yeah. Well, what I liked about, I guess, that, like those sites is that, yeah, everyone was pretty much just straight up honest about what they were looking for. Well, most people generally. Um, Yeah, you get your scanners. There's, There's still... That component. Yeah, of course. But you get that in every aspect of life. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Some of the sites are better at catching those out than others. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the first time, did you go to a swingers party first up or did you meet someone outside? No, I think most, like, I mean, I I wasn't really sort of, I guess, looking for that (laughs) sort of an environment, I suppose. Um, I mean, I'd had some conversations with some like couples and that. But like, yeah, I, you know, I was just, you know, meeting people, having conversations, but like, I think, yeah, for me, it was more about like, I, I still wanted to have, you know, a bit of a connection with someone didn't have to be like this sort of monogamous, like intimate relationship thing. But like, I kind of just wanted to have, I guess, some fun, 
you know, like I just wanted to get outside of this whole comfort zone that I had of, of having a, just like having that kind of, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but being in that sort of monogamous sort of uh, relationship. But um, I think it's really different to being, I can imagine that, and from, you know, the people I've met who have been involved in the Springers community, there's a very big difference between just going out and hooking up with people. You can still actually need to have some kind of emotional connection or like someone to be able to get off. Um, but it doesn't mean that you only have to have that with one person, you know. Like I think it's a pretty unrealistic narrative to think that in life we're going to find one person that is our true soulmate and they're the only person in our life that we're ever going to be attracted to, let's face it. You know, like exactly. it's pretty unrealistic. Yeah. And so what I have learned over the years speaking to people who are involved in swingers things is that often they have really, really lovely relationships with one or more people, but they don't get bored because they can have sexual fulfillment with other people and still keep their main relationship going. And I just think... It's just a different way of looking at things. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a difference also between swinging with your partner, like swapping partners um, Mm. and polyamory as well. That's another whole area. Exactly. Of having a relationship with someone outside of your primary. So Mm. there's also those complexities that can come into play. Yeah. I mean – and polyamory is another whole subject. And I think that... Another it, podcast. It is. But in my experience, <laughs> I, I have seen a lot of polyamorous people. And in my experience, it seems great in theory. But trying to find the time to have a loving relationship with more than one person. You can have a respectful sexual relationship with more than one person. But to try and have a loving, emotionally supportive relationship with more than one person is difficult. Whereas swinging is quite different to that. It, swinging yeah, is like you different. might have an emotionally monogamous relationship, but you're both happy under certain conditions that you agree upon to have sex outside of that. Yes. Is that, is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's it. The, that's it the emotional connection is is, I guess, different with swinging versus polyamory because polyamory, you are actually committing Mm. to another party. And, yeah, like you said, finding the time, especially, you know, if you've got young children and, you know, working, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you're having a polyamorous relationship with a couple of people, if they've both got a dying parent at the same time or both of them are sick at the same time or whatever their life drama is, like, how the hell? It's hard to find time for one partner you're in love with, let alone two or three. Like, I just think from a time perspective for me, that's just like, I don't know where, you, where you'd fit that in. I can't. <laughs> I can't fit going to work and having one husband and a couple of kids in, so God knows how I'd fit anything else. Um, so anyway, so you met Arabella on this website. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. I think Kate had another question then. Yep. I was just jumping ahead because I wanted to know how did you go from this to go, actually, this is a long-term relationship. We have to hear about how they first hooked up. (laughs) Come on. That's why I said I'm jumping ahead. (laughs) Get back in your box, Kate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Pardon the pun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess like going through the different profiles as I normally would sort of do. Like, I think, yeah, like, I'm, you know, well, I tend to read a lot of the profiles. Mm -hmm. I guess from what I understand, that's not what everybody does. (laughs) No, but I mean, we're not going to say what your career choice is here because it might give things away. But let's face it, you're probably a bit of a nerd. You're probably one of the. Few Probably. people who would read the detail. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so you read the detail. Yeah, so often I'd read the detail. But, I mean, often I was reading that detail because I wanted to sort of gain an insight into what that person was like. And that's, like, usually the pictures will tell you part of that picture, but it won't give you all of that picture. Mm. So reading, reading, like, how they write, you know, like you can sort of, you can gain a bit of an understanding about someone's personality just by, by the way they, by the way they write and the words they use and how they string those together. And so, you know, reading through some profiles, sometimes you you will find a profile that resonates with you. Mm-hmm. And that's what Arabella's did. So what was it in her profile? Oh, uh, I don't think there was one thing in particular it was just the general sort of vibe that i got from her profile like she was very open and honest about what she wanted i mean she was you know in a, in a lot of the profiles especially on uh that site often the profiles will have like almost a bullet point list of what they do or don't want <laughs> is that sexually or in well, general it, it can be but in general it's like well. mostly it's to narrow down douchebags <laughs> oh okay so uh, give me an example what's a douchebag oh a douchebag is someone who goes oh okay so you've got kids what time do they go to bed so i can come over oh. that's the sort of thing that you get as you know a mum with kids and it's like oh dude Never met you before. I'm not inviting you to my house with my children there. And also they stay up past my bedtime. So, you know. That's interesting, isn't it, Kate? We had a very similar conversation about this today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you read Arabella's profile. And then what did you do? You like sent her a message? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the funny thing was, is she had a restriction on her profile. I was about. What was it, one year off? He was too young. (laughs) So profiles can actually set like an age restriction. And I think there might be some other restrictions that they can set. Like the gender? Yeah, that too. Um, So yeah, profiles can actually, you can actually configure as part of your profile what you're actually interested in. Mm -hmm. And you can basically say, I only want people of this, like, type to be able to contact me Mm. other profiles can send you a message but i think they get like i don't know Uh, they they get an x okay to (laughs) say you shouldn't be messaging this person because they you you don't adhere to what they're after but you can still override that and send them anyway so you can send a message and say i'm one year too young for your profile but I think you're really hot and I'm really interested in your profile. Can we chat? Which is, well, John, John worded it better than that. 
Mm-hmm. What did you say, John? I <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> tell you now. It was a long time ago that I wrote that. Um, but I guess yeah, it was along the lines of like how her profile resonated with me and that I'd be interested in meeting her and yeah, yeah I like I did put in there that stuff. I I love kissing and you know where I like to be kissed and that sort of thing. So you know he was like, oh yeah, I'm down with that. Not DTF, but down down with the kissing. <laughs> yeah. So when he reached out to you, did you go, he's too young? No, because it was only a year, so I was going to cut him some slack. But the fact that he had read my profile and that he had taken the time to address pretty much everything that I had put out there, I thought it was really um, sweet and, you know, he, he was he just seemed like a really nice person like from his message and it was considerate and kind and, yeah. And you were really flattered because he was younger than you and you were like, yeah. yes, yeah. I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> and he was cute because he opened up his face pics in oh. one of his profiles and I was like, yeah, you, you seem really nice. Okay, so. I've just got to ask, your first pics, not your face pics, but this is really interesting because – most people would see having like naked pictures as being really kind of, you know, intimate. intimate. And other people would see having faces as really intimate. Like in my world, I think that um, penetrative vaginal sex is less intimate than oral sex. But when I speak to young patients that I have, oral sex is like, oh, we do that easily, we don't even think about it, but penetrative sex is more intimate. So it's different, isn't it? Like everyone has a different take on this stuff. So for you guys, it was easier for you to show your naked body without your face than oh, your face. Oh, no, neither of us had naked pictures uh-huh. on on our public accessible photos, neither of us. So what did you have if you didn't have your face? Your lingerie. Yeah, lingerie shots, you know, from the neck down. Uh-huh. And what about you, John? What did you have? Well, not not lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I can't I can't remember. No, no. Oh, Kate just said, did he have a mankini? I reckon Arabella would have run a mile if you had a hot pink. <laughs> no, the the lime green mankini. Go Borat. <laughs> um no, yeah, I had some photos that I'd taken and that was that was an interesting experience. That was definitely outside my comfort zone. But um, no, like uh, Arabella said before, um, you've got those different, you got sort of two different sections you can save private photos into. So there's sort of like the two different levels, I guess. <laughs> you graduate. <laughs> yeah. And so you sort of, yeah, the, there's sort of the, um, the public pics, which are kind of like you kind of make them private so that they're like not identifiable. Um, and then usually you might have one set of photos where it's like your face and people can see who you are and stuff. And then you might have after that, you more, uh, explicit photos. Risque, yeah. one might say. <laughs> I've, um, I know, I know people as well who have, um, like blocked out tattoos and identifying features as well oh. to rena- remain a bit. So, I mean... 
obviously there's different levels of risk, eh? But what are we sort of talking here? From full nudies to porno stuff? To Well, from us, we didn't post mm. completely nude photos. I think maybe I did some boob shots or whatever. Um, but, yeah, the, the men that have previously messaged me would, you know, put their rock hard cock up against <laughs> yes. a what is it with dick pics? Oh no, no, but they would up against what? I gotta hear this. The size factor of oh here's a Coke can or a Rexona bottle or a showing how big their penises were erect. So I just really wish that penis owners would realise that size does not matter. Well, actually, for me, if you've got a 10-inch thick one, I don't want it. <laughs> Go away. Put, put that somewhere else, not inside me. So what was John's kind of locked, sealed section? Do you remember Cleo back in the day? You wouldn't remember oh, that, John. Oh. You were too young. But back in the day, there was a sealed section in Cleo. And it was like, I kind of feel like this app is like, Okay, we're getting to unzip the sealed section. No, again, we were both pretty tame because I I think, I don't know, again, we wanted to unwrap the package when we got it. Like, um, So the first time you met up, what did you, where was it? Oh, wow. This, this is a story. Date story. This is a story. Um, so Remember what I, you said earlier? I had been injured and was unable to drive. So when he messaged me initially, I said, look, you know, if you are happy to continue messaging me and get to know me without us meeting, then that's great. Can I ask how long that went for? Uh, About four or five weeks. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. And um, he was so kind and gentle and respectful throughout all. He never was smutty. He never, you know, he'd ask me how my day had been, how my kids were, all sorts of, you know, just genuine questions. And we got to know each other on a a really um, personal level. And, um, yeah, a few weeks after, yeah, probably it was more than a month that we'd be messaging and I was at home and I was hungry and I wanted some wine and so, yeah, hungry and thirsty (laughs) and I messaged him and said, okay, like. said, I'm hungry, thirsty and horny. No, I, no, I said to him. She took that off the table. I I completely did. I said there is no promise of anything. Like you, we're just going to meet face to face, um, but you can come to my house because my kids weren't there. Um, and but then <laughs> he was almost, and we lived quite a distance from each other. So he'd gone and got the wine. He was going to Uber Eats when he got there. And I messaged him about, what, 10 minutes from my house. No, I called him and I was freaking out because I'm like, I'm inviting what is literally a stranger into my home and I'm incapacitated. Uh Which is interesting because 
Outside your comfort zone, that's a big thing. You've been going to swingers parties before this and suddenly this is outside your comfort zone. Well, it's because I felt physically I couldn't defend myself or even have a fighting chance at it. So Mm. if I had completely misread this guy who I, I don't think that someone can put that front up for that. Well, I mean, I... Yeah. I called him, but he said, no problems. I'll pull over. I'll turn around. I'll go home. Oh. Whatever you're comfortable with. I'm not too far away. you know. And I think he even offered to drop off the wine and order, <laughs> order me dinner and still just Wow. Go. John, so, you have all the moves. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened then? Arabella said, okay, come round. Because you were like. I won't really come round to your place. I'll uh, go. Um, that was your winning move. Any man listening to this, well, <laughs> this is a winning move. Well, again, like I, I was, you know, I, I didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable or anything like that. Like, and you know, I even when I was in the car on the way up there, I was like, you know, it wasn't a big deal that she felt uncomfortable and uncertain about it i totally understood there there's some pretty awful guys out there like you know i just want to say there's some pretty awful women out there too oh i know Mm -hmm. i always feel like i'm really horrified at this whole kind of i don't know this whole thing at the moment that if you're a bloke you might be dangerous and bad and toxic masculinity it's my bugbear at the moment i think there's some pretty awful people out there it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or a penis owner a vulva owner whatever there's some just pretty awful people like yeah so anyway she let you in mia went in and how did it go well i what do we order for uber or did we even get to uber i think it might have been indian indian yeah Yeah, we had indian (laughs) (laughs) did you eat the first course Kate, uh, is that code for something? <laughs> what is the first course? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, we did have a pleasant dinner and I think we were watching a movie and, again, I had said to him, like, there will be no sex. We are just – he didn't stand a chance. I jumped him. <laughs> so you were DTF. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving these acronyms. That was before the Uber driver got there. <laughs> so there was no Indian. No. Didn't we eat first? I don't think oh. my pants were on when there was a knock at the door. This is brilliant. This is what happens when an older woman gets this young hot bloke turn up at his door. She's like, I'm not having sex with you. And then she's suddenly DTF. <laughs> Oh, look, I mean, it didn't take a lot of encouragement. He <laughs> no, didn't did say not. no. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, you know, I I was happy with whatever she was comfortable with. And having an orgasm is the best pain relief ever. Yeah. So, you know, you were incapacitated. You didn't need to take painkillers that night because an orgasm fixed it. So then what happened? So you... That's, you know, that is your first sexual experience together. And then did you go to swingers parties together after that? Yeah, we went to a few events. But I also um, was seeing other people at the time, which I've always been very transparent with any person I've been seeing that 
you know, unless we have a conversation that we're exclusive, then we're not pretty much. Um, so, yeah, I was seeing other people. I was attending parties with or without him. Um, we went to a couple of events together. Yeah, I think our both of our profiles, um, like, again, this is what I liked about that site was that like yeah, you could be open and honest with what you were what you were seeking, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I think both of us were basically just kind of seeking the whole friends with benefits kind of deal, and so that's that's kind of, I guess yeah, we both just kind of had this we resonated with each other and we connected and and yeah, and I think that's how things kind of kind of just yeah. So, what was it like the first time you went to a swingers party together? <laughs> I'm actually trying to remember the order of ones that we went to. Um, I know we went to a club with a friend of mine and one of her um, playthings. And <laughs> is that one of her sexual partners? Yes. But that was kind of awkward because John and I hadn't discussed our own boundaries within playing with other people. And. Uh, <laughs> We went to a playroom and um, the woman we were with, um, she, I think <laughs> she literally pounced on him. Like it, it was kind of, um, there was no discussion. It was just she was doing what she wanted to do. Um, so I was a bit like, lost. Um, oh, because it was like young, hot, new thing. I'm going there. Is that what she thought? Oh, I I think she just, yeah. Found him attractive. She did. And And so did you feel a bit like, whoa, this is weird? I felt a bit weird because her partner, he and I weren't really attracted to each other. It's not that he's not an attractive person, but I didn't view him in that way myself. So we were were kind of... um, sitting on the sidelines, I guess. Um, So, yeah, it was interesting to see John with another woman. Um, No, I I didn't feel jealous. I felt um, superfluous. (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. I love that. Thank you. Uh, And how did you feel, John? Like were you thinking, oh, my God, Arabella's just over there watching me? Because this would have been the first time you probably – Went somewhere with a partner and was having sex with someone else. Yeah, it was, uh, I would say it was probably outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> I mean, like most of the rest of the night was was pretty much like you would expect. Just any sort of like club. You know, I think we were playing pool and having drinks and just chilling out. So sorry, I've got to get my head around this. You went in, You this woman pounced on you, you had sex and then you went and played pool. No, that happened. Like, so we did that first. <coughs> you played pool first. Yes, oh, okay. we were just chilling out. And, and so you just... played with little coloured balls first before she played with your balls. In a nutshell, <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, that was, and it was, I guess, outside my comfort zone because it was sort of happening in an open room. Ah, so there were other people watching. The club. Yeah. So yeah, we were kind of in view of uh, everybody, and that was 
definitely a new experience. <laughs> but it can't have been that anxiety-provoking because if it was that bad, you wouldn't have been able to maintain the rigidity that you would require for that act. <laughs> well, I guess from my perspective, there were two parts to that. One was that it was like a performance piece. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, like, I don't know, I'd... I didn't want to make anyone feel awkward, I guess. And yeah, like, you know, and it, it wasn't like it was not fun. Mm. And I think it wasn't just like we were there and they were over there. I think we were sort of, oh, I mean, it was a long time ago, but um, yeah, we were sort of doing our thing and then we kind of all sort of joined up together and started sort of doing mm. some stuff and but yeah, it was it was definitely a new experience. Um, I wouldn't say it was a bad one, um, but it was, I guess, an adjustment for me. Like it was definitely not what I was expecting, I guess. But it must have been weird for you too, Arabella, because it sounds like other times you'd been to these type of parties or clubs, you hadn't been emotionally connected to someone. Well, That's you had. right, yeah. I, I was the unicorn in a lot of the other cases, which is, you know, a single bisexual woman. So I could Another kind acronym. of... Another acronym, unicorn. <laughs> so what, a single bisexual woman at one of these parties is rare? Uh, or treasured. Ah, okay. Treasured. Yeah. Treasured, all right. So... Yeah, I hadn't had to consider, well, I've been respectful of other people's relationships, but I haven't had to fully consider someone else in my dynamic. Mm. Because usually you were at the centre of the action and this time you were an onlooker. An onlooker with emotional investment. I I think we were still casual at that time. Yeah, we we were, I think... I mean, we hadn't really had a lot of conversations about it, but I guess where we were at at that point in time, we were still kind of the friends with benefits sort of of situation. Yeah, we were still... So we weren't exclusive or anything like that, but it was like... And again, like, she'd invited me to to this event, and I think, you know, she'd sort of like... I mean, I think I had a few questions before we went... Um, but like, yeah, like, you know, it was, it was sort of a new thing for me, but I, I knew that she'd had some familiarity with that, which made me feel more comfortable about going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah, the, the, I guess the events that unfolded kind of took me by surprise. Um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, I think for the most part, like it was a pretty fun night but yeah it was just and I think if anything it just kind of fostered more conversation between us later Mm. on um and I guess yeah kind of helped us yeah in terms of us understanding where we were so what happened then you after this party you go home together and do you unpack what's happened well um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we actually all arrived in the same car, so we all went home together as well. The people you had this whole engagement yeah. with. So they dropped us off. So, um, But, yeah, I, 
I, I mean, yeah, it was a long time ago. So I, I'm struggling. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't remember the specifics mm. of that. Um, but I think John and I have always been very open with our feelings towards each other and communication between each other and, and what our expectations are. And um, so, yeah, we we do nut things out. If, if something has upset one of mm-hmm. us, we can air it in a very um, calm and civilised manner. Because I imagine in this kind of relationship you have to have really good communication because the, yeah. it could never work if I you think, didn't. I think that's, yeah, that's what makes it. Yeah. Um, so how long, like, so you were both on this kind of friends with benefits scene for a period of time, and now you both live together. So how do you move from there to there? In a word, COVID. <laughs> ah. Okay, sorry, just a bit like a stunned mullet here. Um, <laughs> but the other bit too, I know I'm jumping ahead again, but do you now, because I'm so naive, do you now, you've lived together and, well, I don't know, are you monogamous or do you still like and you can say no comment, which is completely fair, or do you still like to swing? At present, we are monogamous, um, mm. but because I am bisexual, I would like the opportunity if I see it present itself that I could pursue something, but that would involve discussion and um, John being 100% on board because I don't want to jeopardise our relationship due to that, but he does understand that, you know, there are things that I would like to do outside of what we have, or even inclusive of him. Oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask. Would you like to do that, the three of you, or would you like to have a relationship with another woman that was exclusive of your relationship with John? I I don't think I would have a relationship. Mm-hmm. It would just be an experience. Yeah. Yeah. And do you still go to swingers parties together? I guess since COVID, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> kind of put a damper on things there. So I suppose with COVID, I mean, you're swapping a lot of body fluids at mm. a swingers party, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, not exactly a lot of face masks. No, that's right. <laughs> so COVID hit and I'm imagining it's like, you know, you've got to pick someone, people to be in your bubble. You picked each other. Yeah, that's exactly it. We had to prioritise mm. who we were wanting to spend time with. and yeah. I think I had. I'd just gone away on a trip with some friends and I'd come back and it was right when all the COVID stuff was starting and everyone was getting sent home and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and I think, we, you know, we, we sort of um, started communicating and all the lockdowns were sort of starting and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, Arabella basically communicated to me that, yeah, she wanted to spend more time mm. together and... I was on board with that, so yeah. So you were like, let's be in the same bubble. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I really, I mean, you know, I really enjoyed her company and, yeah. Mm. like it Enjoyed. Was. <laughs> <laughs> Past tense. <laughs> At the I time he enjoyed it. it, he still enjoys it now. 
All right. So again, I'm stepping ahead. <laughs> Would you, to listeners out there, to me, this has completely opened my eyes because I would never, ever think of doing this. But it sounds like an actual, a safer version of Tinder, to be honest. Would you recommend to your friends? You know, obviously, if you could <laughs> communicate and you were open enough, do you, by the sounds of it, you have complete control of what you do. You don't have to hang off the chandelier or whatever it is, but would you recommend it? Absolutely. I'm really open with my close friends and they all like are waiting for my next, you know, story. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Highly recommend it. In Perth especially, I found a very social group. We had, yeah, a bunch of people who would organise social gatherings with children we you know we go to the lawn bowls we do bowling we you know there were all sorts of activities so outside of normal activities yeah outside of that we all understood that everyone had their lives so you know you've got your work you've got your friends you've got your children why can't we all be engaged socially as well so you know, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a wonderful community to be a part of. And because, I mean, there's still people who aren't necessarily genuine. You know, you can't weed them out. But a lot of the people are, you know, they're just everyday people. Um, that's the really interesting thing that I think is that I think if you're not a swinger and you never have these conversations with people, you just imagine that, it's sort of the things you see in the movies. But actually, every single swingers that I've ever met are completely normal people. They're mothers, fathers, CEOs, nurses, doctors, judges, shop assistants. They're just normal people who are open to something different. And I think they all look the same. <laughs> They're just normal people. Well, yeah, we don't wear badges. No. Or, you know, have blinking lights above our heads. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's, yeah, we're just normal people who are a bit more open and expressive about our sexuality and what we want. And I think the world perhaps needs a little more of that. Yeah, maybe even a little bit more honest about what they want. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And what about you, John? Would you, what do you think? Well, I guess many of my friends are actually married and in monogamous relationships. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of friends I would have that I could recommend it to, I guess. <laughs> um, they're kind of spoken for. Uh, but I mean, I guess, yeah, if, if I had a friend that was single and they were on all the dating apps and they were having a similar experience to me, I'd probably say, yeah, you should give that a crack. But it so, doesn't mean that your married friends can't open up their relationships. Well, no, that's... No, I was just going to say that because I've got a lot of patients who are married and have been married for a really long time and then ended up kind of bored and over it. And actually the way they spice their relationship up was to join a swingers party or whatever. And, you know, and look, it's not for everybody. I'm certainly not suggesting that. But I have a lot of patients who that's really worked for, you know, and I just think having your eyes open and actually really thinking about 
how this is going to work for you and how you're going to feel when you see your partner with someone else. Like I personally know I wouldn't deal with that in a when I'm in a loving relationship. But I have absolutely zero judgment about other people and and I actually have friends who are long time married that I think they would really benefit from it because it would probably add to their relationship rather than take away from it. Again, though, each couple in particular needs to set their own boundaries on what they're both comfortable with and stick to it. Mm. Some couples I've known enjoy watching each other with other people. Other couples, absolutely not. Only they both can play if they both can play. If one gets to play and the other doesn't, then it's a no. Mm. Um, others play in separate rooms they don't want to see Mm. but it's about your own boundaries and what you're comfortable with and what your partner's comfortable with and what you guys decide together is going to work for you and again it's fluid like Mm. you should be able to veto something at the time and go actually I'm not comfortable with this and your partner needs to accept that yeah if you're prioritizing your own relationship then, yeah, there's there's rules, there's boundaries, and you need to set them with each other with open communication. Mm. And I'm going to ask you, I think it's the million-dollar question, how would you feel if your children down the track found out that you, that you were a swinger or you had been or whatever or, yeah, had met this? Yeah. Um, look, my – well, my son is an adult. My daughter is near on an adult. Mm. I would actually encourage them to not necessarily just accept the norm of society as, you know, you date, you get married, you have children, blah, blah, blah. I would actually appreciate my children to be more sexually open and to experiment where they want to Mm. and not feel ashamed or... um, yeah, to to just be open. I totally agree with you. But I think there's, a, you know, most kids don't ever want to think of their parents as sexual beings, no matter how old they are. So I think there's a difference between encouraging your children to be sexually open and all of that. And like sex has been a conversation at my dinner table since my kids were quite young, clearly, because of my job. Um, but I think there's very different Uh, conversation to be had between talking about sex openly and opportunities openly and them knowing what I did. So, yeah, how would you feel in that situation? Okay, I know that, you know, anonymity has been the focus of of our podcast. Um, But, no, I'm not ashamed for my children to know that I'm a sexual being and there's certain things that I am open to. Mm. So, no, if... They discovered it. I'm I'm not going to announce it to them necessarily, um, but if they ask me questions, I'll be honest with them and mm. let them know that there, yeah, there are other ways of viewing your sexuality and sexual needs from mm. from the um, status quo. I had an interesting conversation with one of my children's friends last year, last October, not this October, but the October before, and. Um, when he found out what I did for a job, I went to the beach with them one day and um, they were all surfing and he came in early and we were on the beach playing game of drafts of all things. 
And he said to me, oh, you're a sexologist, Melissa, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I'm pretty sure my parents are swingers. And he's like in his 20s. And I was like, oh, you say that kind of so blasé. How do you feel about it? And he said, well, when I was a little kid and I sort of started to think something odd was going on when they were having these parties and they are in the spa and stuff, it sort of flipped me out a bit. But nowadays, I think they've been married for 30 years. They're happy. It seems to work for them. They've done a great job of bringing him and his sister up. And he's like, now, once I've got older, I kind of just accept it. And, you know, it's made me be a little bit more open about my own sexuality. I thought it was really interesting. And I said to him, do your parents know that you know? And he was like, nope, I've never told them. But, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. And then we chatted about how he came to this realisation. And I thought, you know, kids are so much more perceptive than we give them credit for. I think they often know what's going on when they pretend they don't. It's a bit like you believe in Father Christmas until you're 12 so you still get Father still Christmas. Get yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's interesting. So do you have anything else to add, John? Well, I guess, yeah, just on that note, like we're all, we're all sexual beings as mm. much as some people might try to hide it. Like it's everybody is, is on that wavelength. Um, so, yeah, like I... Like, I mean, I, I personally don't have children, um, but yeah, like, I mean, I would, if I did have children, I'd be probably of a similar, a similar view. Like I, I'd want them to explore their options and have an open mind and, and yeah, not, not feel ashamed. Mm. It's so. an interesting thing though, isn't it? Because if you think back to like cavemen times, you know, couples were in the cave having sex, the kids were asleep next to them. But in our modern Western society, like we don't even want our kids to know we have sex, you know? So it's a very big shift in actually quite a short period of time. Um, I I find that bizarre. It is bizarre. Mm. It is bizarre. And, you know, I'm one of these people who's like, God, I don't ever want my kids to hear me having sex. Like, I think it's freaky. But when I think about, you know, the evolution of sex and sexuality and all of those things, it actually isn't that long ago where we all lived in a cave together and, you know, you had sex and you didn't actually care about who listened or it, people well, grew up with it. Well, they did only live for like 30 years and their <laughs> children were probably too young to remember anyway. That's a very good point. Yeah. There were the odd like people who lived for a long time, but yes, that's a very good point. Yeah. Have you got any more questions, Kate? Yeah, Kate. I think I've still stunned mullet. I'm trying to shut my jaw here. No, I think I think it's fantastic. I suppose the bit is I was, you know, brought up with you were gay or you were not gay and there's no spectrum in between. and oh. The Kinsky scale, huh? Yeah, it just um, – so I suppose without being too personal, again, you can say no comment. Did you think you were bisexual when you were married? No. So what – cha- Oh, it's interesting. Um I enjoyed kissing women um, and I did on a couple of occasions with my husband present but we weren't swingers um, and, um, yeah, so after my divorce, um, yeah, I well, and joining this website, one night, you know, had a few drinks and I started looking at the female um, profiles and I was drawn to this one particular picture and it was just of her mouth. Ah. 
And that was the woman who I had coffee with and then went to a party with. And we're still friends today. Like, And that's the interesting thing is a lot of the people that I have met, I am Facebook friends with. I interact with them. I had a lady over yesterday for lunch that I'd met a few years ago at a party. So, yeah, there is, like I said, that very social component of it as well. And just because we're not necessarily, you know, play friends anymore doesn't mean that the friendships ended either. Mm. So I I think, um, yeah, strong friendships and um, communities form yeah. through that sort of um, opportunity. Well, there's pretty much no other way to get to know someone really well than get naked with them really, is there? You know, it pretty much breaks down all the barriers. Yeah. There's no hiding. No. (laughs) (laughs) So clearly going on this site was a great thing for the two of you because you found each other and you now live together and obviously have a really committed communicative relationship. So Mm. I just want to say thank you so much for coming and being so honest and open and chatting to us. And I really hope that, you people out there listening go, oh, I always thought that was kind of freaky and it's not. It's actually probably no different to what the rest of us do. They're just a little bit more open about it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Just got to be open-minded. And you know what? It doesn't really matter how people choose to live their lives or what choices they make as long as it works for them and they are happy and comfortable with it. Exactly. So, yeah, thank you so much. It's been fantastic chatting Thanks to you both. Myself. Yes, thank you. Bye, everyone. Thanks, bye. See you later. <laughs> and Kate looks like she's got, you know, her jaw is open. I'm just going to go and <laughs> shut that and then we'll sign off. <laughs> so, again, thank you very much. And anyone who's listening to this podcast that would like to comment, I would absolutely love it. And if you want to ask any questions – I will ask Arabella and John later and we might get them back just to answer any questions that any of our listeners listen to. So if you've got a question you've always wanted to ask, ask me. Obviously, I'll see your email, but I'll make it an anonymous question and we'll ask them to answer it for us. Okay, thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As a thank you for being a part of our podcast community, I have an exclusive subscriber offer for you. If you would like assistance with your sexual health and you'd like to work with me, then please head over to www.melissahadleybarrett.com forward slash programs and use the code TPP5 at the checkout. Here you will find everything you need to know to be on the path to penile perfection. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Penis Project. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you could leave a review and subscribe for regular updates. Your support plays a big role in spreading awareness and helping more men to access this information. The more followers we have, the more podcast platforms that recommend our show to others. This might be just the place where your friend, brother, neighbour with lingering questions finally discovers the answers. Stay connected with me on social media and join the Melissa Hadley Barrett email list for news about upcoming podcast episodes, blogs and lots more. If you have a personal story that you'd like to share or you're a health professional working in this field, I would love to hear from you. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or a listener with specific topics you'd like us to cover, please send me an email at admin at melissahadleybarrett.com. Thanks again for being a part of the Penis Project podcast community. And until next time, take care.